As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic Baseball Show on The Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to the 3-0 Show, part of the Athletic Baseball Show. It is Thursday, July 28th. Derek Van Riper, Britt Ciroli, Eno Saris. We are on Hug Watch, and we're on Baby Watch. Britt, any day now. Yes, in fact, by the time people listen to this podcast, it will, in fact, be my due date. So, <laughs> <laughs> new, new track, new baby just dropped. Yeah, which will happen first, the birth of Britt's baby, Wilson Contreras finds a new team. Juan Soto finds a new team. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a like race. the great mystery of the 2022. I tell, you, I tell you what, uh, I don't know how the players feel, but the waiting is the hardest part. Over here. Mm. <laughs> the, the moment you're in right now is just a surreal, strange moment. You can't, you feel like you can't, there's nothing to do except wait. And bounce? Are you bouncing on the ball? I'm currently on a birth ball recording this. Okay, right now. (laughs) (laughs) We were joking about it before we got started. It's like, yes, there it is. If you're watching on YouTube, it's a little bit like the the scene from The Office when Dwight is bouncing around on the yoga ball and Jim asks him how much it costs before popping it with a pair of scissors. But we're not going to do that to Britt, of course. Uh, on this episode, we're going to talk about some sneaky trade deadline clubs, not necessarily the teams you expect to be very active or significant players at the trade deadline, but I think teams that are interesting nonetheless. We will have our daily Juan Soto check-in. Maybe we'll get some breaking news in here today. We'll talk about the Yankees uh, underperforming in July, and maybe that was an inevitable sort of thing because they played so well up to this point. We'll talk about the John Carlos Stanton injury for a bit as well. But let's begin with our sneaky trade deadline clubs, teams that will have an impact on this deadline. And I want to start with the Marlins because the Marlins are in a weird spot. The more I look at this team, the less I like this team. And I think it's because their position player core leaves so much to be desired. Jazz Chisholm's hurt right now. He's clearly their best position player. You look at what they have around him right now. Jesus Sanchez may be a core player in the long run, not having a great season so far. J.J. Bladé just came up. We'll see what he can bring to the table. They signed Avi Garcia this winter. They signed Jorge Soler. They'll have Garcia through 2025 and Soler through 2024. But those are older guys that you're not necessarily looking at as core contributors. They're more like good secondary players on a high-quality team. 
and their best long-term position player prospect, Khalil Watson, has a bloated strikeout rate in the low minors, and he didn't play from July 2nd through July 21st due to a team-imposed disciplinary measure. So this is a team that's like really pitching heavy. It's like jazz and a lot of young pitching. Every time they come up, we're talking about them as a team that will move pitching. Here are my assumptions. I think Sandy Alcantara and Yuri Perez are untouchable. And I think some combination of one or two other pitchers in this organization will definitely be moved between now and August 2nd. But the biggest question is, who are you trying to get, Britt? Who are you trading for? If you're in Kim Ang's position and you're trying to make another trade, maybe similar to the one that brought Jazz Chisholm to the organization a couple years ago, which players are you actually targeting right now to make this team significantly better for the next few seasons? Yeah, it's a great question. I think they're going to be in on a lot of young bats because they have the young pitching. Chisholm, of course, is out till September. We know they're not contending this year. I kind of have them. I hate the buyers and sellers thing, guys, because I think there's a bunch of teams, the Marlins included, that are going to be like in between that, like the Orioles, the Red Sox, that are going to maybe make some trades, but also try to get better quickly. So I don't know what we call these people, right? Like what's what's a, a not a buyer and not a seller? Uh, what's like the mix of the two? Um, do we just call them sires? A Michael Beller. Uh, Beller, a Beller. A Beller. You know, I think that's what the Marlins are. And I'm really fascinated. This will be, as a scout texted me yesterday, this is the first trade deadline without Gary Denbo, who was in charge of all of their scouting and stuff, who was a very polarizing figure in the game, who uh, the Marlins let go. And this is really now the Kim Ng show. You know, people wondered for so long how much she was really doing, how much control she had over her club. This is really this deadline, in my opinion, uh, the Kim Ng show. And I'm really curious to see who she deems tradable. And we've seen a lot of reports that the Marlins are open. They are going to be wheeling and dealing, but I don't see them as necessarily sellers. I think they still believe that they can contend quickly, maybe even as quickly as next year. Um, Certainly, when you look at this team, the flaw has been for a while that they can't, they don't have the offense, right? That they have all these young starters and they just simply don't have that offensive firepower. Chisholm is great when he's on the field. He's also just one player, right? And he's had trouble staying healthy. So I think you need to look at it from the Marlins perspective as young-ish bats, but they still need to be proven. You know, they can't go after these like prospects that are going to take a couple years to come up through the system. You kind of have to marry it with where you're at pitching wise if you're going to hit that theoretical window, right? So the problem, though, is how many teams are giving up young, controllable position players? I mean, the only real thing the Marlins have going for them, though, is that they have the currency. They have the favored currency. They have the young pitching. That's what everybody wants right now. Outside of Luis Castillo, um, I don't know who else would be more attractive uh, when you look at the market and you look at kind of what the Marlins can do. But how much do you deal from? Do you deal one young arm? Do you deal two young arms? Are you robbing Peter to pay Paul? They're in a fascinating position, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think the focus, I think the through line for these teams that we're going to discuss is they are not going to be, they might buy, but they're not going to be interested in rentals. You know, the rental doesn't make a lot of sense if you're, you know, on the cusp, if you're the third wild card or you're two games out of the third wild card or whatever. I mean, it is true. And I was talking to some baseball people last night about the fact that like, if the Marlins won the next four or five games, they could be a game or two out of the, of the wild card. They could feel like they could actually make a run of the wild card. 
However, you're still not in the position to be like, okay, we'll take your rental Andrew Benintendi and give up a prospect for him. That doesn't make a lot of sense if you're the Marlins. But what does make sense is something that improves you in the short term and improves you in the long term. So I'd like to put the Marlins out there as, you know, to combine some two things that we've been talking about. I'd like to put the Marlins out there as a sneaky contender for Juan Soto. Now, they, you say that, that Perez is untouchable. I think he is, except Juan Soto turns untouchables to touchables, if you know what I'm sure. saying. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, you could put Perez in there. You could put Jesus Sanchez in there. Uh, and and maybe you discuss uh, moving Watson because you uh, you think we can put Jazz at short after Miguel Rojas or, or you know, we can figure things out. And uh, and you, you might have to put Watson in there because we're talking about basically having to put your best three prospects on the table. But the nice thing about getting Juan Soto is he gives them something they don't have, which is a real middle-of-the-order thumper with great plate discipline that just to pair with Jazz. I think a Jazz Soto, especially in, in Miami, I think that could be a really con- uh, co- compelling marketing aspect, but also just in terms of just playing. Like, that would be a good offense. You could fit things around that better. So, you know, they have the pitching to give up. They can probably beat any other offer on the table in terms of pitching, especially if they put Perez in the deal. Uh, and, and so the question will be, you know, for the for the Nationals, do we, you know, if the Padres are putting Hassel, Abrams, and Camposano on the table, that's a catcher, a shortstop, and a center fielder. I feel like no matter what you think of them, that's an unbeatable trio. So I feel like if AJ Preller puts all three of those on the table, uh, the Nationals are going to take the Padres deal. But the Marlins are a sneaky contender. And then the other idea that I had was, um, you know, trade Pablo Lopez, who has two two point whatever, two and a third years on his uh, of team control left, uh, for Tyler O'Neill, who has two uh, and a third years of control left, and get someone who can muscle it out of that park in in Miami. Yeah. You know, maybe there's some prospects that make it work better. It, it maybe because Pablo Lopez may be more well regarded as a pitcher than O'Neill as a hitter right now. Uh, but it could be a kind of a fascinating buy low uh, where you're getting some offense. And it actually fits the Jazz Chisholm a- acquisition pretty well because Jazz Chisholm struck out too much but hit the ball well. And they said, we think he can develop into something good. Tyler O'Neill strikes out a bit too much, but he hits the ball really well. So. You know, maybe maybe add Tyler O'Neill and some prospects and, and the Cardinals get Pablo Lopez. So the issue to me anyway with the Miami DeSoto is are they willing to pay him seven he's making seventeen million dollars this year. So if he's not a rental, are they willing to pay him what he's gonna earn? Even if they don't sign him long term, do you think they'd be willing to take on a player for that kind of salary? They certainly have the room, but that's what I always wonder about with a team like that. Um and speaking of Soto and the Padres, so yesterday, um I, I was told that Abrams, Gore, and um, who is it? Oh, Hassel were included in their preliminary offer. Who's going to beat that? Everyone, because those are damaged goods. Gore is beat up right now, and yeah, Abrams is hurt. They're both hurt. Yeah, but it's a shortstop and a center fielder, and Hassel's one of the most well-regarded prospects in the game. I don't know. The Gore injury, I think, matters more in terms of the Padres having to add to the deal. I think the Abrams injury is relatively small, right? It's, a, it's like a biceps injury right now. But the Gore situation, we're talking about an arm injury for a pitcher, right? So that's a bigger deal. Yes. So that is a little like, eh. I you think know? And also, A.J. Preller loves trading 
damaged goods, as somebody pointed out to me yesterday. <laughs> Zing. Uh, yeah, but not all of them have gotten in trouble like not, Perler. Not my words in case oh, AJ well, Perler sure. or somebody Drew, that knows Drew Pomerantz. <laughs> uh, not my words. But let's be honest, if that... I think if all of those guys were healthy, we'd be like, wow, that's a great deal. But they're not. So you're almost like, well... I still think it's one of the better ones. I think it's a good point about the Marlins payroll, though, because uh, I think when we were reading between the lines on Derek Jeter leaving, maybe some aspect of that was ownership saying, no, this is your, we're going to give you $80 million a year to run the team payroll-wise, and you're not going to get more. Uh, and if that's if that's the case, then uh, that kills the Juan Soto deal. I think any team that can trade for Juan Soto should strongly consider it. But the problem for Miami is that you have to start spending a lot more on your payroll around him to make it worth your while. Because they're not they're not a Juan Soto away from being on the same level as the Mets and the Dodgers and even Atlanta, as far as the, the best teams in the in National division. League right now. And there's two of those teams are in their division, so that's a, an even bigger problem. So I think that's the deterrent for them, uh, even though they might have enough young talent to possibly put something like that together. Pablo Lopez seems like the most likely name to move, but I think he does bring back a very good young player, either Tyler O'Neill, like you said, maybe not enough to get you Jordan Walker, one of the Cardinals' elite prospects, but... I'm looking at other teams, you know, if if the Dodgers don't get Juan Soto and if Miguel Vargas is available, could you possibly prime Miguel Vargas from the Dodgers and get help on the infield? Because I think, I think if you're the Marlins, infielders. you're prioritizing infielders over outfielders, given the commitments to Garcia, uh, given that Sanchez is one of your better young players and Blade is someone you want to get out there, unless those guys are part of some other package you're probably focusing on infielders. And I used, I was looking at the baseball trade values uh, thing and and I like it. I understand it. I, I, I think it's okay, but you have to use your brain on top of it. I don't think you can just sort of, it's like when the, the NBA trade value, the trade simulators <laughs> are out there, like you can put some ridiculous things in there and make it work, but that doesn't mean it, it's actually going to happen. And so I was, I was looking at the Cardinals, and and the baseball trade value says Gorman for Pablo Lopez, like straight up, would be fair. I just, if I'm the, the Cardinals, am I giving you Gorman for for a pitcher? I think that almost every pitcher should have like a ten percent reduction in trade value. <laughs> you know, like I think everybody wants the hitter. Uh, maybe that's just a bias of mine, but I, I, I kind of can't see the Cardinals giving up Nolan Gorman, like six years of Nolan Gorman for two and a third of Pablo Lopez. I just, I don't see it. Yeah. I, what's interesting to me is everyone keeps talking about the Cardinals and Juan Soto, but as we know, their top priority should be adding pitching. Yeah. I mean, every team should be in on Soto, but the Cardinals are also not a Juan Soto away from winning this whole thing. They need pitching badly. So it, to me, it's so interesting to watch all these Juan Soto rumors get get thrown around. I mean, we talked about Miami. Tampa Bay seems like a team that would be perfect for Juan Soto. But do they go all in? Because they just lost two really important players. Yeah, those are mostly defensive players that they've been they had out for a while. I think they could do it. I think that the idea in Tampa would be get him and flip him again. Yep, get him and flip him this winter or flip him next whenever. But that doesn't make sense. Exhausting, dude. Yeah, and also I don't <laughs> think Tampa. If Tampa was leading the division, I would absolutely think that. But this isn't the Tampa team we've seen the last couple of years. So I don't know. I had two people yesterday tell me don't sleep on Tampa and Juan Soto, and then I was talking to someone else that was like, Yeah, I don't think that's gonna happen. So I love I think, this time. I, of year. I'd say it's possible. 
<laughs> but and not to swim move past the the Marlins to the next person on the rundown, next team on the rundown. But <laughs> if we're gonna be talking Soto, this is a natural transition. The Guardians. You were just what? What do you have on the rundown about their salary history? It's pretty weird. They ran opening day payrolls between 119 and 134 million from 2017 to 2019. They were very good. That's not that long ago. World Series contender, not that long ago. Uh, pandemic shortened year, 36 million. Year after the pandemic shortened year, 49 million. This year, 68 million. Now, there's no guarantee that a team will ever spend as much as it used to, but it's generally a good approximation of the range at which they're willing to go. At least they could go to 80. They could at least take Soto's money. Could have, yeah, at least go to so 100. 90, 100. I mean, it's interesting. They didn't want to extend Lindor, but maybe their model, we know they have their, their very unique model they apply to the draft. Maybe their model says, hey, Juan Soto's on the short list of players that any team should pay $450 million yeah. or $500 million to keep. So who knows? They obviously need it. This is a team that has a league average-ish offense, and they do it in an early 80s sort of way. <laughs> They're first in strikeout rate. They don't strike out, but they have almost no power. Only the, only the Tigers have hit fewer home runs than Cleveland this year. It's by a lot, too. It's almost like a gap of like 20 homers. The Tigers, we'll get to later, are abysmal. They're pretty good in terms of starting rotation, kind of middle of the pack in terms of, of Fangraph's war. They've got a good able pen, at the very least, right? You look at Class A, Eli Morgan, Trevor Steffen, James Karinchek's back. Those are pretty good relievers. And they've got prospects to deal like they can put something together they got brian rocchio george valera bo naylor tyler freeman daniel espino gavin williams logan allen you don't have to trade all those guys to get soto you could trade some of those guys and still have some left and make your team a lot better for the next two plus seasons and maybe even longer if you decide to extend them which that part seems more like a fairy tale but not impossible they also have a, a crunch coming like every other team the rule five was canceled last year uh, and so that means that you have sort of the rollover guys that should have been unprotected last year that you, that will get that will be unprotected this year, plus all the guys from this year. So there's going to be a real crunch of prospects. They might be more willing to part with some of their prospects because they don't have 40 man space for them. And then lastly, the 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 interesting thing about the Guardians is I think what they're doing with Quan and Rosario and Jimenez and all these guys is they'll take a guy with 30 power and that's like you know 20 to 80 on the scouting scale, 30 power is below average power, uh, but everything else is really good. The contact, the plate discipline is really good. And then they'll hope that they can coach up the power, you know, with approach stuff or weighted bats or whatever it is, you know, try to coach up the power. The problem is, I think if you move a 30 power anywhere, you move them to 40. You know what I mean? You don't you don't move a 30 power. Jose Ramirez is the only guy that we've seen kind of go from 30 power to maybe 50 or 60 power, right? Like, you know, you you just don't move a guy two grades. So basically their approach is gonna produce a lot of guys that can hit you 15 to 18 to homers in a given year. Like a lot of Andre Andres Jimenez's, not a lot of Jose Ramirez's. So going getting Juan Soto is actually super important for them because their produ their pipeline is not producing high power guys, and the other guy they traded for from Mil Reyes for the power uh, is not working out right now. So I I, th I think there's some dots to connect here, and I think they could probably go toe to toe with San Diego, you know, in terms of maybe more quantity uh, than quality. I don't think I put I put Hassel above most of their prospects. 
um, in particular. But like, you know, if you put in a lot of those guys, Rocchio, you get you can give them a shortstop, you can give them a center fielder with Valera, you can give them some really uh, well thought of players uh, and, and get Juan Soto for two and a third years. And in that division, we were talking about how the Marlins have a harder road to hoe. I feel like in that division, Cleveland could say Juan Soto could be a real difference maker. Yes, because I think nobody expects the Twins to hang on, right? Isn't that like <laughs> so many people in baseball are kind of like, eh, the Twins, they're not that good, <laughs> right? And so you're right that Juan Soto could absolutely change the whole tenor. He could change the tenor of most divisions, but especially the American League Central. Are you the first person to connect the Guardians to Soto? I don't know if I've seen that I have not seen anywhere. That. I have not seen anywhere. it. I give, the, I give the high five this way. I give the high five to to Derek. High five, because the 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 salary thing was what made it click, you know, because they are so far under their salary. And 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 Britt too pointing out the Marlins one is like, oh man, they, there is some money here that to, to be talked about. Like in terms of arbitration, like he's going to be due like twenty five million next year. Yes, he's not just prospects. And you know, for what it's worth, the Dodgers and the Yankees have gone over the Lux tax in the past, and that's why you know people talk about them, but. You know, every dollar over is like two and three, you know? So it's like that 25 on the Dodgers becomes like 40. You know, I'm not, yeah. sorry, don't quote me on the math, but like, you know, it's more. It's not just, uh, you know, you know, loss of draft picks or all the other things. It's actual money they have to pay on top of the actual salary they have to pay Juan Soto. Yes. And I think those teams aren't scared of him hitting free agency because they have a legit chance at just buying him. Right. Mm -hmm. But Cleveland's not buying him. Miami's not buying him. Tampa's not buying him. Right. These are teams that are looking at it as like a window of three playoff trips with Juan Soto, maybe even less. Like if Cleveland were to. Yeah. One and a half years and trade him at the last deadline. And then flip him for some prospect no one's ever heard of. Well, all of a sudden is throwing 99 a few years later. Right. (laughs) Um, That could absolutely be something that happens. But I mean, you look at just getting Jose Ramirez to stay in Cleveland required Jose Ramirez saying, I want to stay in Cleveland and then taking a pretty under under market deal. I think we can all agree if he was to to hit the free agent market, he'd make a lot more money. That's not going to be Juan Soto. He rejected 440 million over 15 already. So right. um, it's just going to be a pure rental, but you're right. It does. It does make a lot of sense. And we're going to hear a lot about mystery teams this time of year. And <laughs> you heard it here first. The Guardians, the Cleveland. mystery team. <laughs> <laughs> the mystery team. Oh, I've, I've been doing a good job of filtering that off of Agents my timeline, I think, love at this point. mystery teams. Mystery teams. <laughs> this time of year, everyone's listening on everyone. Tire kicking. Um, you know, saying a team is listening. Like, the Tigers listening on all offers the marlins listening on their right. young starters um they should be listening this time of year and but it's amazing what kind of wildfire these tweets catch this kind of year so guardians fans listen to the show have now just deluded themselves into thinking that they're going to get one soda <laughs> thanks to the three of us we should probably give some more realistic alternatives because there's only one one soda to go around and while cleveland has the talent to go out and make a move to get him Someone else might swoop in and make a better offer or be willing to take on a bad contract. Whatever it is that ends up being the difference maker, someone else could be that difference maker. What else could Cleveland realistically do? I mentioned the lack of power. Who else could they possibly get? Could they be players for Josh Bell? I mean, I think one of the issues here is actually Franmil Reyes. Like, If you're going to add Josh Bell, 
you're probably going to have to start giving up on Fran Mil Reyes in terms of playing time because you already have a guy in Josh Naylor who's much better suited to play first base than he is to play in the outfield. So is Bell an option? Is Trey Mancini an option? Are there other similar players that you think could be a good possible fit as the fallbacks, the more likely options, should it not be Juan Soto to Cleveland? You know, you were solving this off air. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. I just wanted to see if you had something. Uh, no, uh, nope. the Cleveland is uh, second to last against lefties this year uh, in WRC plus. So they, they have a weakness against lefties. Uh, so a righty slugger with a little bit of money on their contract uh, is something that I think you could connect the dots on, too. Uh, so J.D. Martinez, if Boston decides uh, to, 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 to just move a, a piece that's not on the roster next year um, for, you know, I don't think it would actually cost uh, that much in terms of prospect capital. Maybe the that's a sort of toe in the water approach uh, for Cleveland. We're like, we're going to get a guy who could help us in a very in a, in a position of need. Um, and, uh, another idea was Will Myers, uh, who I believe is uh, currently hurt. Uh, but the idea there was if he comes back, maybe he can be useful to us as a righty slugger, but really what we're doing here is probably getting a prospect from the Padres. <laughs> maybe it would be, it, I bet you, I bet you it would be a prospect wash. We'd give them a prospect. We'd get a better prospect back with Will Myers. Uh, to, to take on that money. It's an interesting thing because it might help A.J. Preller stay under the luxury tax for the rest of this season as he's trying to get Juan Soto. So I could see them being sort of the glue or the like helping some team uh, uh, make a deal or stay under the tax by taking on some money, getting a prospect. But uh, I think those are there's two paths in the, in the woods for them. I'd like the J.D. Martinez possible fit if Boston ends up moving some players away. Do you guys remember the last time that J.D. Martinez was traded at a deadline? It was the trade that sent him to Arizona, the brief time that J.D. Martinez was an Arizona Diamondback. Not a great return in that trade for the Tigers. And he was awesome for Arizona. It was amazing. It was Jose King, Sergio Alcantara, and Duel Lugo. That was it. That's all it took. I mean, an absolute whiff of a trade. So, uh, yeah, I mean, high-priced sluggers that are DH-only types can be pretty affordable at the deadline. And if, if the Guardians did it, they'd give like give them like three prospects you're not that into that won't make it on the 40-man that, ha- that have to be on the 40-man yeah. next year. You know? yeah. <laughs> like, like, be like, hey, Boston, take these guys to spring training and cut all three or keep one and see see what you got. We we probably wouldn't protect them. Thank you. Here, here have yeah. Fran Mil Reyes back. See if he can hit a bunch of homers for you and maybe you can hang around and take surprise. Maybe, maybe you're whatever. not totally waving the white flag. You're just reshaping your roster a little bit for the future you know that's a possibility just like another reminder too that like proven players people always are so quick to judge these deals right like oh we can't give up these prospects Mm -hmm. they're lottery tickets right Mm -hmm. you don't know what you're getting the proven player i mean so much has changed in baseball fandom right growing up i don't remember ever being like oh my team's got to hang on to their top prospects but now fans are obsessed with that like front offices (laughs) have done a great job of convincing fans that like this is the way to be successful long term and we're going to see a lot of prospects moved at the deadline we're going to see a lot of deals that look like kind of lopsided but i mean the proven players are almost I mean, they're going to continue to perform at or near their level for the most part unless they're declining age or health right so it's just so interesting like that jd martinez deal like geez that sounds terrible now 
or when or Miguel Cabrera when he got dealt. Oh yeah, and people were like, oh my gosh. I mean, Cameron Maven was all right. He was he was okay, but like none of those guys were as good as Miguel Cabrera. <laughs> Correct. Like, so, you know, I mean, even just last year at the deadline, the Max Scherzer, Trey Turner trade. Yeah, they got some of the Dodgers top players. Yeah, maybe they'll be okay. But you can't replace what Max Scherzer did for the Dodgers down the stretch. And also they had a year and a half of Trey Turner. Yeah. Yeah. Or the the Paul Goldschmidt trade from a couple off seasons ago. Carson Carson Kelly Kelly. and Luke Weaver. Yeah. Yeah. For a brief moment, it looked okay for Arizona. But now you look at it like, oh, Goldschmidt's still good. Probably should have kept him. It's funny because like the baseball trade values or, or, or sort of the, the, the fan graphs way of looking at trades uh, didn't really like that one because Carson Kelly has surplus value, quote unquote. Like he's going to be he's going to be better than his than his contract uh, for a, a while. A good OBP catcher. Right. Luke Weaver has surplus value because he's not paid much and, and he's a good he's a decent young pitcher. Um, so then there's surplus value. Plus, Paul Goldschmidt was well paid. So you have to think about it. The Cardinals paid Paul Goldschmidt like $45 million that year because they paid $20 million in surplus value on these prospects and then actual $25 million of, of salary. Like from a kind of like efficiency over everything else kind of uh, approach, that wasn't a great trade. However, it was a great trade. I mean, are the are the Cardinals better with Paul Goldschmidt than Carson Kelly? Like, yeah. yes. Yes, yes, they I'll are. answer that. <laughs> As it turns out, even though they need pitching right now, they are much better not having <laughs> Luke Weaver and Carson Kelly and having Paul Goldschmidt. They had to extend him, but looks like a pretty smart extension, even though it might have been panned by some yeah. at the time uh, that it happened. But you could take your financial flexibility and find a place where the sun doesn't shine <laughs> there because I, I just think people it, in, it's fun to look at prospects it's fun to be excited about prospects I like prospects I like watching them I like thinking about trading for them all that stuff but the number of people out there right now on Twitter who are saying the Brewers would never trade Jackson Churio for Juan Soto it's like just listen to yourself <laughs> it ends in four Juan Soto so it doesn't matter what you write in front of that it doesn't matter if you're the Dodgers and it's Bobby Miller no anybody's on the table when you're talking about a player like that keep that in mind as the never-ending Juan Soto conversation <laughs> rages on here for the next week or so and possibly longer consider yes. the possibility that he doesn't move and then we get to have this conversation I put that for the next like, 12 weeks like 25 percent he doesn't move yeah, I, I think there's a pretty good chance to. So but also what drives me crazy is Juan Soto is 23. So he's the same age as a lot of these prospects. Oh, People yeah. are like, can't move <laughs> this guy. He's a 21-year-old shortstop of the future. Well, guess what? How about a 23-year-old? Would you rather have a 21-year-old who hasn't played in the big leagues? Or a 23-year-old, <laughs> five seasons under his belt, two silver sluggers, two all-star appearances, and a batting title. How is that even close? Yeah, right. I would, I would empty my farm system for Juan Soto if I'm the Yankees. Yeah. I wouldn't even think twice about it. Yeah. Why? I wouldn't even think twice about it. The guy's 23. He's the same age as most of these teams We're in their gonna, top prospects. Not going to have J- Jason Dominguez. Might be good. Probably not Juan Soto. Yeah, exactly. It, to me, it's just crazy. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I think we should talk about what is happening in Detroit right now. I saw a Ken Rosenthal story uh, basically suggesting the Tigers are listening on everyone. I don't know if that means that Tarek Skubal is actually going to be traded, but it's just the signal the Tigers are giving out. Maybe that's the right signal. Look at this team right now. Look at this. Similar to the way we looked at the Marlins. I think they're. you could argue that their MLB core might be a little better. It depends on how you feel about Spencer Torkelson. you got Riley Green up now. Torkelson currently back in Toledo, probably going to get another shot before the end of the season. Scooble's part of that core as well. They signed Baez to a long-term deal through 2027. Eduardo Rodriguez making a comeback soon. Austin Meadows, who they just traded for before the season through 2024. And I don't think they have that much in terms of controllable players that they would bring back a lot in return. Scooble would bring back a lot because you're talking about a, a good young lefty, who's not a free agent until after 2026. Trading him does create a problem because, unfortunately for the Tigers, as part of this rebuild, it was pitching heavy. Casey Mize is hurt. Matt Manning is hurt. Spencer Turnbull was already hurt, coming back next year, hopefully, maybe by the end of this season. And then you got a bunch of rentals on this team, guys that are either free agents after next season or even free agents at the end of this season. You could trade Tucker Barnhart, and you could trade Willie Peralta and... Michael Pineda and Robbie Grossman, you're not going to get much for those guys. I think you might get a little something for Andrew Chafin, might get a little something good for Joe Jimenez for bullpen help. But I think the Tigers are in this sort of terrible spot right now. I don't know if trading Tarek Skubal is necessarily a bad idea. I just don't know how much better they're going to get by making that move. So, Britt, what is happening in Detroit right now? What what should the direction be in the wake of a really disappointing 2022 yeah, you could trade scope as well, I guess, too, if you're just going to do everything not nailed down. Um, so I, actually, I was talking to somebody with Detroit yesterday, and he said that they, the direction that the organization has been told, like, okay, we're going to move. We could move anyone. We really want – it was a scout. It was like we really want everyone to look at every single contender. Nothing's off the table. So that's kind of the, the genesis of, of how they're approaching this trade deadline. So everything that Ken reported uh, seems to jive with that. The Tigers are a disappointing team to me because this spring I went there for spring training and like drank the Tigers Kool-Aid was all in on their rebuild. They looked like a plucky team. If you had told me that the Orioles were going to have a better record than the Detroit Tigers, (laughs) I would have thought you were completely insane. But this is the tricky part about young players, right? About rebuilds. This is what makes rebuilds so tough. Fans think we're rebuilding. We're going to be good in X year. And it doesn't always work like that. Detroit Tigers 2022 are exhibit A of what happens when the young pitchers, the young players you were relying on, don't get it done. I mean, this has been a disaster from every angle, and I didn't see this coming. I don't know how many people saw this coming. I think their most value probably comes from the bullpen. Um, You know, they've got a lot of relievers that I think people are going to be interested in, hence why they're kind of casting this wide net for the trade deadline right now. Um, Contending teams, almost all of them, are always looking for bullpen help even if it's not their primary thing. I agree with you on Scooble. I don't I don't think they have these pieces that are going to all of a sudden drastically change where things are. I unfortunately wonder if there's going to be actual organizational changes 
as a result of this failed rebuild because this was a team that you know has really not been relevant. Uh, it was really terrible for a while, and the fan base was really sold on this is going to be the start of something because if you go back to last year, guys, they were a sneaky good team. They started so miserably bad that no one noticed, but they were a sneaky good team towards the end of the year last year. If you take out like that first month or two of the season, they had a winning record, and so people really bought into A.J. Hinch and what he was doing and everything that was going on, and they've taken a huge step back with really no clear path to be like, oh, we just have to trade this one guy and get back to it. No, they, they haven't looked good at all. Everything that could go wrong has gone wrong, it seems like, in Detroit. And I just don't know if there's like an easy solution at all. Yeah, yeah, I think it's it's a tough one. You know, I can tell you what I would do if I was running this team. I, I, first of all, I wouldn't have signed Javi Baez, sorry. Uh, but, uh, you know, he wasn't their top choice though. He was like their third choice, but, but then don't do it. You know what don't I mean? Don't sign your third choice. I know, yeah, I don't know. sign your third choice. Don't go to the dance. Just stay home. Uh, exactly. <laughs> Watch yeah, some movies. Good idea, dude. Go I, I like that. But, uh, I do too. if I was, if I was in charge, I would, I think I would, uh, remember those good times and, uh, do the thing where I keep everybody that's cheap and under control for a while and, uh, get rid of the rest. The only, the only caveat I have to that. So I would, I would trade Fulmer, you know, I think that there could be a buyer for Michael Fulmer. And, um, and I think that you could maybe pair Fulmer and Robbie Grossman or Fulmer and Michael Pineda and say, here are two guys that'll help your staff in some way. Maybe Pineda can be a three-inning guy for you, and Fulmer can be a one-inning guy for you, but they're going to help your staff get to the postseason, even if they're not necessarily... Maybe I think Fulmer would be on a postseason rota- in a postseason uh, staff, but maybe not Pineda. But, you know, here are guys that'll help you get to the promised land, but uh, maybe you can package them. Maybe you can package Grossman and Fulmer, you know? Those are guys that will help teams... They're not amazing, but if you put them two together, you might be able to get some value for them. Tucker Bonhart is a is a free agent. He's and I wish I had noticed that because I was saying that Wilson Contreras was basically the only catcher available. Uh, but Tucker Barnhart, if he's not under contract for next year, there's a there's a catcher who's available. Yeah. Is he hurt? No, he's not hurt. He was supposed to be such a big part of that young pitching staff too, like and helping them along. Which, but he's he's not in a contract. Hurt. You can you can sign exactly. him next year if you yeah. want. But but the only the only caveat I have is Gregory Soto. Now, the reason I bring him up is minimum salary. So any team that doesn't want to go into the Lux tax but wants a reliever might, and then and then like five years of control. But how many relievers? I was thinking about this with like Stephen Okert the other day. I think uh, on Rates and Barrels, like dude is like thirty-two or something, and he has two years of service time. He's like not gonna be a free agent until he's like forty. You know what I mean? And who else is thinking about Stephen Okert? I'm always thinking about Stephen Okert. (laughs) The the uh, but the um, the thing with Soto is he's a reliever still. So are you really gonna be like, oh yeah, Soto's gonna be our closer in four years when we're good? Because we have them under team control. No. I don't know. By no. then you no, probably you trade, found another guy. You trade guy. everyone. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Or he's hurt. Or he underperformed. I, I don't trade Scooble unless I get like an actual hitter. Like a... Unless like Nolan Gorman's on the table, you know what I mean? Like, sure. Then, then I might trade Scooble, but uh, but Soto, I would trade for some interesting positional prospects that are not on the level of Gorman. You know, because I just feel like, and, and that that price tag, there's a there's you know Chafin, for example, you can trade Chafin, but he's he's due seven million. 
So like, you know, it's not, it's prorated, but you know, he's due a certain amount of money. So if you are close to the lux tax, you might not be able to afford Chafin, but Soto is 700,000, you know? So I think the, the Ken Giles trade from 2015 is probably a rough template of what you could maybe do. That was to the Astros, the Phillies trade into the Astros. Uh, That was Mark Appel. Thomas Eshelman, Brett Oberholzer, and Vince Velasquez. So they got one longer-term big league player back out of that deal. That's like four shots at it. That's four shots at the That's the kind of trade you're hoping for, right? You're you're taking four swipes at it by by trading someone that, like relievers especially, if if you're not winning right now and you have a controllable reliever that other teams want that can bring you back multiple young players, that's what you should be trading for sure. the other team says, you know, oh, we get Soto this year and next year, and he's cheap. Next year. Yeah. Yeah, that's... This is why I think the Orioles should trade Jorge Lopez and not trade Mancini. I think Lopez, their all-star, their closer, you know, has a year of control, brings you back much more. And also their bullpen has been really good as a whole. So even if they are sneaky competitive next year, they're not going to really miss They still him. got Felix Bautista. They still got Dylan Tate. They've still got guys who yeah. can step in. Yeah. Right. This is like when they were trying to maybe contend in 11. They traded Koji Uehara. Um, I don't think he went to Buckhammer or he went. Oh, he went to Texas. And they got back Tommy Hunter and Chris Davis. Those were two key parts of their being wow. good. But the yeah, the reason That's they got that trade is because right Koji had a lot of, um, he was under team control. Yeah, he wasn't just a rental. Uh. So relievers that have that year plus, I think are very attractive, right? Back end of the bullpen guys who you can control contending teams i think it will give you a lot more for those guys yeah i had someone say like oh sean murphy uh will be cheaper uh, you know than wilson Contreras, and and just as good i was like he's not gonna be cheaper not gonna be cheaper <laughs> not with years of control <laughs> yeah, left. sean yeah. murphy's like not a free agent for like four or five years that's that somebody would have to kind of that's almost brinks truckian you know like a catcher who can frame and and hit like somebody. I, I I do think that there's a possibility that like the Giants come to the table because they've been so desperate for a post posy catcher. You know, maybe they they trade you know a, a bunch of pieces to get Sean Murphy. But yeah. So I know there's really no such thing as a bad GM job, but if the Tigers make a change, is that a bad job? Is that a, a difficult place to win? Is it a reasonably easy place to win? I I get the sense that. It's at least average in terms of ownership's willingness to spend. I know, you know, the late Mike Illich was more, I think, hell bent on on winning a World Series than perhaps his son will be. But it's, it, you know, there's there's a few things to like. It's the AL Central, so you're not stuck facing the teams in the East. That's kind of nice. You've got that young core I mentioned. I actually think it's a better job than most that become available should they decide to make a change because I think they've had a ton of injuries this year that have deflated a lot of the optimism that Brit saw back during the spring I think they were they were generally headed in the right direction even if they're taking a longer path to actually get there yeah I would I would agree with that I think it's a good GM job there is, is you're right there's not really any bad GM jobs there's only a few of them obviously um but this is a fa- it's also a good fan base. Uh, it's a fan base that will come to games. It is a, it's a nice park. Easier, yeah, it's a nice park. It's an easier division. Um, it's an ownership group that isn't like, hey, we got to keep our payroll at forty million, right? Like mm-hmm. they're gonna go in. And, like that's the thing. The Tigers tried to be good this year. 
I mean, this wasn't a tanking season, right? Like yeah. they tried, they went out and they signed guys and they added money to their payroll and they were really trying to go for it. And you just like really, they just really weren't able to do that. So I think it's a good GM job. I don't know if they make a change or not, but also AJ Hinch is a very collaborative manager. He's a guy who has front office experience. So I think most GMs would see that as a positive. Um, he's somebody who buys into the new age of things and, He's really into the organizational up philosophy that Houston had when he was there. So I think it's a pretty desirable GM job outside of the fact that um, you have to live in Michigan during, you know, probably year round during the winter months. Um, you know, you could snowbird it though. <laughs> At that kind of salary, I think I'd, I'd find a way to make my way somewhere warmer for the uh, winter. And Michigan's yeah. not that bad in the winter. I grew up there, so it's not, oh. it's not the worst. Let's uh, let's talk about Arizona for a moment because they're a little bit like Miami. They're one of those teams that's sort of caught in the middle. They're not deep, deep in a rebuild, sort of terrible. They've got a really nice young core. I mean, you look at the the prospects they've got right now. Our friend James Anderson over at Rotowire updates his prospect list in season. It is a fantasy list, but he's got Corbin Carroll and Jordan Lawler one and two on the list. I don't recall many times where you've had one team with the top two prospects on any overall list before. And it's not just those guys. Obviously, they just drafted Drew Jones, who unfortunately hurt, hurt his shoulder. <laughs> yeah. First day of workouts, I believe, with the with the Diamondbacks. So he's, his 2022 season might be over. The good early news is it's not supposed to be any sort of like career-altering injury. They've already called up Alec Thomas. They extended Cattell Marte. I look at this team. They got one good young starter in the big leagues in Zach Gallen. They got kind of a decent back half guy in Merrill Kelly, who they extended for a couple more years. Uh, they got one old mad bum on the books. But all things considered, the up arrow is safely next to this organization. Their future is bright. Is there anything they should be doing between now and the deadline to continue down this path? Could they be one of those surprising teams that comes in and isn't necessarily making a move to get better right now? but is making the kind of long-term deal that makes their future better, similar to what we just talked about with the Marlins a little while ago. And what do you think about Arizona? You know, is their future as bright as maybe even the Padres and Giants, even if they're not they're not really closing down the gap on the Dodgers because no one organizationally is going to do that? It's a really clean balance sheet <laughs> to, 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 to speak Excel, you know, in terms of just like what it looks like. I, I would not pay a prospect to get rid of Madison Bumgarner. I feel like mm -hmm. he's just, he's fine, you know, paying somebody like that 20 million when he should be paying him 10 or something is like, it's not going to kill your team. And it's, he's kind of a, he is a workhorse to some extent. So at least he's a guy who's going to post up and give you innings and they're going to be okay. And you can win a bunch of those games if you can score some runs. So like, I'm not paying, I'm not paying a prospect to get rid of Madison Bumgarner. And if they do become sellers, I do think that, you know, I had a piece come out today where uh, I looked at sort of bargain alternatives uh, to to some of the, the stars at the deadline. And David Peralta barrels the ball really well, lefty, uh, good plate approach, doesn't have a big strikeout rate. I think he could actually be a pretty uh, desirable piece on the market. Um, and if you paired him again, I like this pairing thing. If it, if it gets you anywhere, if you paired him with Ian Kennedy, um, you know, or uh, I don't know if anybody wants Mark Melanson at this point, but you know, if you paired him with Ian Kennedy, maybe uh, or Zach Davies, uh, you could yeah. you could tell somebody, hey, we got uh, you know a pitcher that won't be in your playoff rotation, but like you know can get you there, and David Peralta, who will probably be in your playoff lineup. 
you know, we put these two together and maybe we can get uh, a prospect we like that can help us. And what's interesting, too, is that I think they can take a hitter or a pitching prospect back. They're not, like, so desirable. They can, because, as you mentioned, they have two, three pretty good hitting prospects coming up. They could take pitching prospects back. And that that does change things. Because we just talked about the Guardians wanting to trade pitching for hitting. And we just talked about the Marlins wanting to trade pitching for hitting. And, you know, there are these teams that will trade pitching. Even the Tigers would rather probably trade pitching for hitting. So it is kind of refreshing if you're Arizona to be like, hey, we'll give you Peralta for a pitching prospect. There might be teams that say, ooh, I like that. That's the first time I've heard somebody uh, say something like that. So... Uh, and then if you get a pitching prospects that near the major leagues, even if he ends up being uh, a reliever later, that can still help this team because the, the bullpen's not that great, you know? So, you know, a guy who, who might be a starter, might be a reliever, you know, go get him. Yeah, I agree with a lot of that. I love how, uh, you know, he's packaging these deals. He's a big fan of like the buy one, get one. The Bogos. Yeah, that's a Bogos. Uh, I don't even watch American get a free pictures. Zach Davies. <laughs> that's the Frank Fritz move. When they're, when they're digging through someone's old farmhouse in the Midwest, he finds two oil cans he wants. He tries to lump them together for one low price. This, yeah. this is a $40 oil can. It's a $40. Yeah. I'll give you $70 for those two $40 oil cans. It works. He's, he's like, you want Peralta? How about Bumgarner with us? Yeah, right. Take well, yeah. that. <laughs> I, I, uh, no, I do agree with you, though. I think Bumgarner is fine. He eats innings. What's What's nice about them is they don't have to make a move, right? They're in like that nice. We can watch if there's a good offer. We can do it. They could drape. They've got some outfield depth they can trade from. Um, you know, I think they're listening on, on Walker, on Christian Walker. Yeah. Um, so I think they can make some like minor tweaks. I put them in like that basket with the Marlins and probably like the Red Sox. Though the Red Sox may lean a little more toward like straight selling because they've really nosedived but this isn't the diamondbacks year they can kind of look back and you know if there's a deal to be made they'll make it um long term they have to compete with the dodgers and the padres and that's just a really difficult thing to do but i do think they're headed in the right direction certainly uh with that minor league system and i think that they they exceeded a lot of expectations that, you know, we never even talked about them this winter. And I think that, you know, at least some of their, their pitching has been a little bit of a bright spot. Moving towards um, 500. You know, yeah, I, I do think that they're kind of trending in the right direction. But I would be shocked if, like, the trade deadline comes and goes and we're like, God, we got to talk about what Arizona did. <laughs> I think they're just going to be like, meh, make a couple tiny moves under the radar that no one really cares about that could potentially pay dividends later on. Yeah, I just wonder if they're one of those teams that could surprise us with a random because the Zach Gallon Jazz Chisholm trade was pretty surprising. Maybe something yes. like that is up there. They're their not sleeve. getting Juan Soto. I think we can all eliminate that. They, could, like, they have the prospects that... to do it. You guys. They have the prospects to do it. They're... There's another one no one's ever no one ever has out loud or in a column said Arizona could do it. And they Arizona could, but they shouldn't because they me. don't have anything else to put with I'll them. Take the Guardians. Don't put that on me. Don't put Diamondbacks on me. <laughs> Even with Juan Soto, they're still not better than the Padres. They're still not better than the Dodgers. So what are you acquiring Juan Soto for? To sell a few Juan Soto jerseys? But I do think it's interesting that they could take pitching prospects back because Chris or Walker there. There's another guy that you could trade for pitching prospects. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. 
Guys tend to think looking sharp means starchy Oxfords and stiff chinos rather than effortless comfort, but it's possible to have it both ways. I'm all set for summer thanks to Mack Weldon. The Vesper polo shirt is so breathable you can wear it on the golf course, but it looks classy enough to wear to a party. The Maverick Tech Chino short is ultra-flexible, and the Pima Crew Neck T-shirt is perfect for those casual weekends. There's no need to be uncomfortable in your clothing ever again. Some guys just want to look good without calling attention to themselves. Mack Weldon Apparel gives you understated good looks for understated confidence. Mack Weldon clothes are designed to fit your style and the demands of modern life. They look like regular clothes but feel like the latest in modern comfort. They're the go-to choice for guys who want to look great without even trying. Breathable underwear that keeps you cool, dry, and comfy all day. Crazy comfortable but elevated sweatpants. An upgraded classic polo with antimicrobial silver threads. An ultra soft antimicrobial tee for when you need to stay fresh longer. That's the Silver Crew Neck T-shirt. Get timeless looks with modern comfort from Mack Weldon. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off your first order with promo code MLBSHOW. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com. Promo code MLB show. Let's talk about the Yankees. It's been a quiet July for them. I think they're 10 and 11 entering play on Wednesday morning as we record this. So, okay, finally a down month. <laughs> By the way, they're three wins below their Pythagorean record for the season. It's absurd that they've actually underperformed that uh, for the season as a whole. Nine wins. They have 69 wins already. Giancarlo Stanton just went on the IL with an Achilles injury that's been nagging him for a bit. I think the Yankees' position players were pretty healthy throughout the first half of the season, so this was one of the concerns we had going into the year. Obviously, that Luis Severino injury that popped up a couple weeks ago, that's a potential big one. They're going to be active at the deadline. They're going to be players on just about anyone and everyone on the pitching front to get some more depth there. I don't think they're necessarily settled as a group of position players either that could be an addition on that side is there any reason to be concerned by what's happening with the Yankees in July Brit or is this just sort of the normal ebbs and flows of a season even for a team that's as good as the Yankees are this year well I think there's a little concern because I think the Michael King injury he's out for the season is borderline catastrophic for their bullpen because they're all just Chapman hasn't been very good right so I think you wonder about Stanton. Achilles are naggy, right? Like how long is it going to be just two to three weeks? Is it going to be longer? Is it going to be something that um, kind of shortens how much he's available? I don't know. Um, I don't want to say panic or anything because they're the Yankees. They've been so good. They still have a double digit lead in the East, but they are neck and neck. They're only a couple games up on Houston for the best record. They've shown that they really struggle against Houston, which I think we all know all roads are probably going to go through Houston to the world series out of the AL right? Barring anything crazy. So I think if I'm the Yankees, I'm making a splash this deadline because they didn't make a splash this winter and we were all wondering. So this is the time, in my opinion, to go all in and get a Soto and a reliever. Uh, They needed outfield help anyway. Um, They have the money to add Soto to the payroll and they certainly need pitching help. As I mentioned, King is just like an underrated big injury for them. And, you know, you can't go into the postseason with a bullpen that's shaky. I mean, it has derailed many great teams in the past, and it would derail them if they aren't able to close out games. I do like a lot of their relievers. I wonder if it might make sense to get someone like Luis Castillo, because then I feel like you have a one-two that, you know, I kind of, I I believe in a little bit more. And also, um, you could push Domingo Herman to the bullpen 
Maybe he'd be better in one inning stints. Um, you know, get more velo out of him. Um, maybe he could he could replace uh, some of what you've lost with King. But they, you know, they have lost a lot of that bullpen because they lost King and they and they lost Chad Green. And those yeah, are and two, Zach Britton is still not back. Yeah, those are that, those uh, are three really important pieces. And it's not like you know, there's some guys that are, are close, but like Luizaga is a good pitcher uh, that's having a bad year. He could he could turn it around, but he's also oft injured, so that he could turn around and get injured yeah. pretty easily. So uh, right now it's like uh, what is it, Lutke, Peralta, and Holmes, uh, and they're you know they're just staring at Chapman, being like, we really need you. You know, like you, we really need you to get better. Yeah. The starter is a good point though, because Nestor Cortez has come back down to earth as well. So you really are looking and you're like, okay, they could use another starter for sure. And then Montgomery got hit really well by the Mets last night, or I guess Tuesday night um, in the subway series. So you're kind of like, okay, this is a good team. I like Montgomery, Tyone, and Cortez a lot. Uh, but, I, you know, as a number two against the Astros in a postseason rotation, you know, uh, I don't I don't know who I'd pick. I guess maybe Cortez. But, you know, it'd be, it, it wouldn't go – it wouldn't be as good as the Astros' number two probably. The question about Nestor Cortez is really fascinating because we're going to see a career high in big league innings from him. He's already reached that level. But he's going to go way over that. Staying in the rotation, he's pitched really well so far this year. I mean, a 248 ERA, a whip of an even one, more than a strikeout per inning. Is that the level you get when he gets to 140, 150, 160 innings? Is that the level you're going to get in the postseason? I think that's a really big question. So yeah, if they went out and got Luis Castillo, I like that as an impact move for them. And also... If you improve the rotation, maybe you need bullpen depth a bit less. You still want to add some more relievers, but you don't have to go out and get A relievers. Maybe you just get some you know, fifth, sixth inning types. Um, I think Joe Jimenez, who we talked about briefly with the Tigers, is one of the more undervalued relievers available. I think from the right side, it's Jimenez. From the left side, it's Steven Oker. So if I'm a team that needs bullpen help going to the postseason, there's plenty of them. Those are the two guys I want my team to get because I don't think it's going to cost you that much via trade. And I think they're both going to be able to help you quite the a bit. The rental versions of those two, I think, are Fulmer and Matt Moore. Yep. Those yeah. are those are two guys that are just rentals, won't cost much. Their stuff looks good this year, uh, right side, left side. I think, you know, I think that maybe the, if I, I think they have a, a big shot in them, like Soto or Luis Castillo, and then probably also add a, a rental or two. But, um, We'll see. Luis Castillo is going to cost less prospect-wise than Soto. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if they can... Get, I think they're firmly in the teams that can pay top dollar when he becomes a free agent. I don't know if they have the prospect bundle that will match the other offers. That's the problem I think the Yankees yeah. might run into. They might just be a little bit short of what some of the other teams out there can do. The industry does not have a consensus on Volpe. You know, Anthony Volpe, yeah. they're, they're probably their best prospect or one of their best prospects. Yes. Some in the industry say he's still sort of a top 10 prospect. Some say that shine has come off. And Dominguez is well thought of, too, though, right? Dominguez is well um, thought of. So if the Nationals are among the teams that are like, you know, uh, you know, we love Volpe and Dominguez, then maybe maybe that gets you to the table with with other players. But neither one of them. I mean, neither one of them is a center fielder like Hassel. Um, and, and Volpe, you know, people just split on it. I think many Yankees fans out there would be on board with a deal like that, but it would 
it would take probably both Volpe and Dominguez plus, plus. more to actually get it done. Yeah. So yeah. you're going to be emptying out the the prospect cupboard if you're going to make that move. Castillo might be the greater area of need. You go Castillo plus you know more of a rental position player. That might be the sweet spot for now. And you set your sights to the future for Soto if he's not extended by the team that eventually does trade for him. Uh, it's a big time atmosphere for that Subway series. You know, I, I've been watching a lot of Brewers Twins because that's where my heart is. <laughs> Makes me feel is that, like is I that, am at is home. Is that your Subway series? That's my Subway series. It's, it's the it's the Cornfield series. Yeah. I don't know what do they call it. The I ninety four series. It's got to have some kind of name. The Ope series, I think, because that's Ope. the word. Ope. Yeah, it's just what you say in the Midwest when you almost run into somebody on a snowmobile or with a shopping cart. Or it, it's a very very versatile word. Is it the pop the pop series? No, yeah. we don't call it pop you in Wisconsin. What do you call it? It's soda in soda. Wisconsin. Michigan is calls it, it pop. Uh, Minnesota, mm-hmm. I think, is also soda. It'd be weird if Minnesota called it pop, given the soda. <laughs> fair. Yeah, fair. And it has been a good atmosphere, though. Well, they're both first-place teams, and I think it's been pretty cool to watch. By the way, Max Scherzer is 38 years old making his start. Um, is it his birthday? Just just crazy to think about. Yeah, I think it's today. Um, I think that this... Oh, you know what? Happy birthday, right Max. around the trade Keep deadline. going. At this, I think at this time last year... What did he get? No, I'm trying to think. No, it all blurs into one. He was obviously traded uh, last year, but it wasn't on his birthday. It must have been a few days after. There's so many weird Max Scherzer stories, guys. Like he tossed a complete game and then ran to the hospital because his wife was in labor with their third kid. <laughs> Broke his nose in batting practice and yeah. pitched that day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then when you ask him about it, he acts like it's like the most normal thing ever. And he's like, yeah, no big deal. Like she was in labor. I, I wanted to keep pitching finished up the game and got over to the hospital and you're it's not like, like labor is interesting what? that's just sitting around in pain <laughs> yeah, like, i got what? this like the broken nose thing too he was just like yeah no big deal they said i as long as i can breathe i can pitch and you're like what? <laughs> just insane as long that as guy, i can that breathe, guy's a legend i could pitch it's sad to me how much uh worse i am aging than max scherzer <laughs> i turned 38 in about a month and a half and Wow, he is aging so much better than me. He's accomplished never, so much more in his lifetime. I, I could never throw 94, but if I could throw 94, I wouldn't be throwing 94 anymore. No. <laughs> if I bunted a ball off my own face and broke my nose, I would never be on a baseball field again. I, you, I wouldn't be at work for a week. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's yeah. the thing is he hasn't like become a different pitcher yet, right? He hasn't become this like crafty pitcher. He's still the same guy at 38. I think that's what's most impressive. Yeah, like Granky Granky's lost a lot of Elo and and has has figured out a way to still be okay, but Scherzer's like yeah. nope. Still nope. going to throw 96. I want Scherzer and Verlander to pitch until they're like 45. I want those two guys to just be hyper competitive with each other and refuse to retire first and just keep pitching at this absurd level. That'd be amazing. Yeah, well, Ryan yeah. pitched pretty well, late. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's the arc we're looking for. We're looking for the modern-day Nolan Ryans. On that note, we are going to go. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, we're on Baby Watch as a podcast, so Britt probably going to be gone for next week's episode. Eh, you never know, but probably going to get a few, uh, <laughs> several weeks off. So we'll have some guests lined up. We actually have a, a trade deadline special, a live stream that will take place on Tuesday afternoon. Deadline is at 6 Eastern, so our live stream will start 
believe, just before the deadline. We'll talk about all the trades. We'll have some guests on for that. That'll be on the Athletics YouTube page. Might have also streamed to the Rates and Barrels one, too. So just be sure you subscribe to those. That'll come out as a podcast, of course, after the fact. On Twitter, you can find Britt at Britt underscore Giroli. You can find Eno at Eno Saris. You can find me at Derek Van Riper. If you don't already have a subscription to The Athletic, get one for a dollar a month for the first six months at theathletic.com slash baseball show. The Athletic Baseball Show returns on Friday. At the 3-0 show, you've always got the green light, including Britt's baby. Come on. Come on down. <laughs> green light. <laughs> 